Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of Recovery Talk. Today I'm going to talk about my favorite topic, extreme hunger. So I think everyone that works in the field of eating disorders have certain topics they are more interested in than others and more specialized in than others. And for me, that is definitely extreme hunger. That is my drill. I love it. It's such a random topic to love, but I love it for a few very specific reasons. So let me first tell you why I love this topic. First reason why I love it is because I understand it. <laughs> you know, when it comes to eating disorders, there are many things that can be very confusing. Uh, and I mean, I'm always trying to understand things, but there are certain things with eating disorders I still don't quite have an answer to. Why do so many people with eating disorders get these random ghost pains in their bodies? What is the connection between having an eating disorders and suddenly becoming obsessed with recycling? The amount of random rashes or aches or pains that just come and then just disappear. I, I don't know. And I hate saying I don't know to a client. It's the worst thing because I always have an answer. But sometimes it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why you have pain in your left toe. <laughs> but extreme hunger slash reactive hunger. I tend to like calling it reactive hunger instead. I'll explain why later. Is one of those topics that is fairly simple. And when I say simple, I don't mean easy, because it is not easy going through it. But it's simple as in there is a very specific biological explanation of why it happens. And then you can add in a little bit of psychological explanations as well. So I personally find it easy to understand it, you know, and I like things that I find it easy to understand. Another reason why I really like this topic is because I myself have experienced it and also because I work with people who are experiencing it. So I see what is the result when you are aware of what's happening. And what I see time and time again is that once people are aware of what extreme hunger is, why it happens, and they get the little psychoeducation and explanation, they actually very often handle it quite well. And just knowing make such a big difference in this topic because if you don't know what's going on you're gonna freak out you're gonna freak out and that's where a lot of people go backwards so there are many things that's nice to know in recovery it's nice to know that it can you know eating disorders can affect your bone density right it's nice to know that eating disorders can make you feel very cold it's nice to know these things but very few things are as powerful to be aware of as extreme hunger because they really can allow you to you know, push through those phases when it happens. So yeah, that's my other reason for enjoying the topic so much is because I find that when people are aware of it, it creates a profound effect in their recovery. Because extreme hunger is very often where people relapse or where people go from one eating disorder to another. And the reason for that is not necessarily the extreme hunger itself, because the extreme hunger itself is completely natural. It's how they respond to extreme hunger. But if you are aware of what extreme hunger is and why it happens and how to deal with it, if you're prepared, then you can actually just go through this phase and <laughs> make it out on the other side. That's extremely beautiful to see people going through the stage having their panic moments because it will happen and then pushing through and then coming out the other side and being like oh you were right and I'm not the type of person who's like ah oh, told you so I was right but still it's nice to see because you see the relief in people's faces when they realize that oh 
extreme hunger, it happens and it ends. It has an end point and I'm not losing control. Anyway, so what is extreme hunger? What is going on? What is happening? I'll try and give a very quick explanation of it uh, because there's a lot going on and it is very biological. So, and I know that's not everyone has full awareness of those topics. I'll try and simplify it and compress it as much as I can, just to give a very quick, brief explanation. Basically, extreme hunger, or as I like to call it, reactive hunger. I like to call it reactive hunger because it is a reaction to past restriction. And this is a key component. This is a key differentiation between traditional binge eating and reactive hunger. Reactive hunger is extreme hunger that happens in a response to restriction. If someone is never restricted in their life and they just wake up one day binging out of control, that's not really extreme hunger. That is just binging. And that could be a vast variety of reasons why that happens. So there are certain medical conditions, certain medications, etc., that can cause this. That's not necessarily extreme hunger. So I tend to call it reactive hunger or extreme hunger, or also the scientific name is post-starvation hyperphagia. Oh yes, this is a scientific thing. It's not something I'm making up or something someone in, in recovery community just decided was a thing. This is a scientific phenomenon that's very well known in science. But in eating disorder recovery circles, it's unfortunately not that well known because eating disorders are being predominantly treated as, you know, a psychiatric condition. And it is a psychiatric condition, don't get me wrong, but it is a psychiatric condition with a lot of biological components. And I will get more into what I think a lot of treatment practitioners get wrong about extreme hunger and binging a little bit later. But first, let me just explain extreme hunger very simply. Extreme hunger is when someone who has gone through a period of restriction is experiencing an extreme increase in their drive to eat in response. And notice I say drive to eat, you know, I say it's called extreme hunger, reactive hunger, which implies that there is hunger, but actually sometimes extreme hunger manifests more as a mental drive to eat rather than physical hunger. It can also manifest as no mental drive to eat, but just an extreme physical hunger. It can manifest in so many different ways. It can manifest physical, not mental, or mental, not physical. Or sometimes it manifests as both at once. You are ravenously hungry and you can't stop thinking about food. People who are experiencing extreme hunger can often eat thousands and thousands of calories just in one sitting. And even when they are so full that their stomach is about to explode, they still don't feel satisfied. What's essentially going on is that the body, when you're restricting, is detecting that there is a famine going on. And for some people, what happens there, especially with eating disorders, is that the response to this famine is that almost like the body gives up sending out hunger signals. And instead, it will manifest the hunger mentally as a mental obsession with food, but actually more a resistance towards eating. Whilst other people go straight into extreme hunger right away, especially those with bulimia or especially those in binge restrict cycles. We see a lot of people, especially with more restrictive anorexia, they will tend to not experience extreme hunger until they start recovery. And it almost like it turns on the hunger. Essentially, the body has gone through a period of starvation and now it's realizing that there is food available. And then what it does is it wants to make you eat. Doesn't that, that make just complete logical sense? Your body is like, okay, there's been a starvation going on. Now there's food available. Let's get as much as humanly possible of this food while we still can. Especially if you're someone who's in a binge restrict cycle, your body has learned that... 
after the feast, there's going to be a restriction again. So it's learned that famine is something that's happening on a regular basis. Of course, it's going to get you to eat as much as possible when you can. And this I see time and time again, the people who just go all in when extreme hunger hits, no restriction, they just go for it, go all in. But extreme hunger in those cases actually tend to last a lot shorter than those who compensate by panicking or thinking, oh, I need to get back on track with my meal plan afterwards or restrict or over-exercise or engage in some form of compensatory behavior afterwards. In those cases extreme hunger doesn't necessarily become a phase it becomes their new life <laughs> so are you going from one eating disorder to another if you are just going with going with it and just giving into the hunger and letting yourself eat then no you're not extreme hunger will stop if you are someone who responds to extreme hunger by compensatory behaviors such as purging restriction excessive exercise going on another diet, eliminating foods, thinking that you are addicted to food or can't control your around, yourself around specific foods, then yes, the extreme hunger might not go away because your body is still detecting that food is a scarce resource. And here is the unfortunate twist, you know, because I mentioned that eating disorders are very often treated, you know, as mental illnesses, as they are, but the bio biology of them are very often ignored. And because we also live in a society that's very fatphobic, very diet culture-y, binging is being treated as this like dangerous thing for health, right? It's treated as, you know, this awful thing to do as a moral failure. And it's naive to think that treatment practitioners are immune towards these beliefs. It's literally the societal messaging and it also is unfortunately a messaging that's made its way into the health system where we see that doctors will prescribe diets to clients even though we know that dieting has a 95% failure rate and most dieters gain back the weight plus more just because of basic biological adaptations to to restriction right dieting is a form of restriction and you know basically the body is detecting there's food scarcity it turns down metabolism food is being presented it it holds on to the weight and it makes the person eat more in response. The person freaks out, goes on another diet. Can you see here the line and like the similarity between... I'm not saying that uh, an eating disorder and yo-yo dieting is the same. Absolutely not. But there are similarities. There are absolute similarities. And also many people find themselves in the between stages where they don't have a full-blown eating disorders and they're not exactly on a diet, but their eating is just disordered and all over the place. And this is often being encouraged by society and sometimes even by doctors and sometimes even by other treatment professionals who themselves might be very invested in diet culture. So anyways, what happens, because eating disorders are often seen through more of like a psychodynamic lens, is that a person would go to therapy saying, my problem is binge eating. And then the treatment practitioner, instead of thinking, okay, but are you restricting? The treatment practitioner would think, okay, what void are you trying to fill? And very often this belief that extreme hunger is actually just emotional eating is being strengthened because the person experiencing extreme hunger will get a reward in their brain for binging. And this is similar to how a drug addict will get a reward in their brain when they're doing drugs or an alcoholic will get a reward from alcohol. But the key difference is that in the topic of alcoholism and drug addiction, those substances are the problem. Whilst in the topic of extreme hunger, the food is not the problem, it's actually the solution. Because the reason why the person is getting a reward from binging is not necessarily the food itself, it's the lack thereof. 
when a person is severely undernourished and is restricting or is just constantly eliminating foods, that makes the brain more primed to overeating and it makes it makes it reward you for overeating. So when I was uh, was in depths of my eating disorder, I noticed that binging was something that, because I had binge purge anorexia, binging was something that gave me a reward, almost like a high, a high that I couldn't get from anything else. Especially on days when I was very low in mood, I needed that high more than ever. And as a result, binging would become more tempting on those days. Because I would be more likely to have my binge purge sessions on bad days, I of course assumed that I was addicted to food. Because why else would I get this extreme dopamine reward from gorging myself to the point of discomfort? Well, the reason was simple. I was extremely undernourished and my brain was wired to reward me for that behavior so that I could do it more. Here is where a lot of, uh, I think, treatment practitioners go wrong, is that they treat the binging as a problem when restriction is actually the driving force and the problem to be solved. My binging solved itself when I was refeeding myself and letting myself go through that period of extreme hunger and also eating more every single day. I didn't stop binging by learning different coping strategies and all of that. I mean, that is nice and helpful, but what I did notice is that when I tried to binge when I was no longer fully fed, it just wouldn't reward me the same way. I remember I was talking to a friend who's recovered bulimic and she said the same thing. She said she'd been a long-term bulimic. She always would turn to the bulimia when things got hard. But she was fully nourished at this point. She'd been eating sufficiently for a long period of time, no restriction whatsoever, and she had a particularly difficult time. And as a result, she tried to binge. But she was just like, I tried to binge, but it just doesn't give me anything. I didn't, it didn't hit. It didn't hit the same. So she still tried to engage in the behavior, but it didn't reward her in the same way because her brain was no longer primed to reward her for that behavior. I want to cite something very interesting from Dr. Sean Gussinger, which is one of my favorite eating disorder doctors and researchers. And it goes, If anorexia nervosa goes on too long, most people eventually begin binging and purging. Researchers used to think that different personality types led to bulimia or to anorexia, but it now appears that bulimia often accompanies or follows anorexia, probably because normal adaptations to starvation, ravenous hunger and ability to gorge, bake through from time to time, and people find themselves binge eating. If the anorexic then vomits, fast, or exercises to undo the eating binge, these remedies perpetuate the neuroendocrine signals that cause uncontrollable hunger and establish a vicious circle of binging and purging. Quote over. So imagine this, you're someone who is experiencing this reactive hunger in reaction to famine, and then you go to your therapist and say, hey, I'm eating nonstop, and it's really giving me a high. And from a more psychodynamic perspective, a typical psychotherapist would be like, okay, what is going on? What in your childhood happened here? What, like, 
trying to find a solution to it. And that implies that this is a problem that needs to be solved. This implies that the binging is a big problem that we need to get rid of. And of course, what then happens, the person who goes to the therapist with this problem is thinking, oh my God, I'm doing something wrong here. I need to stop this binging. I need to compensate. And then they turn to restrictive elements. You know, they turn to purging. They turn to exercise. They go on, oh, let me do a diet. Let me cut out this. Let me go low carb. Let me this and that, this and that. And that just reinforces the cycle. Whilst if instead the person was told, hey, this is actually a completely normal response to starvation. It will pass. Just eat. Don't restrict. It will end. Then they go through the face and it actually does end. That's what I mean when I say it's like, it's simple, but it's not easy. Because when you are going through extreme hunger, even if you know what's going on, it can still be very difficult to fully accept it because you're always going to think, well, I understand that happens to other people, but in my case, it is emotional eating. In my case, it's a moral failure. I'm greedy. I have no control. I've seen so many people who are experiencing extreme hunger, they're aware they're experiencing extreme hunger, yet part of them can't help but believe that in their case, it's actually just them being greedy, or it's them fundamentally lacking self-control with food. This was especially the case for me, because as a kid, I always loved sweets, and I loved sugary things, and if I had chocolate as a kid in the, in the cupboard, I would always, you know, eat everything. So I was thinking, yeah, but I... I've, I've always been out of control with candy. Actually, this is a very common thing for kids. Kids like sweets. And the fact that the parents will hide away the sweets just makes it way more exciting, right? And I hear so many people having all sorts of reasons why their extreme hunger is somewhat, somewhat different. Are there cases where extreme hunger is not extreme hunger, where it actually is full-blown binge eating disorder? Of course, as I said earlier, if you're someone who never restricted in your life, you've just been binging nonstop and restrictions never been an issue, then, I mean, that's not really extreme hunger, that's just binge eating disorder. But perhaps controversially, I do think that in a lot of cases of binge eating disorder, restriction is a key element. Because I see that where there's binging, there very often is restriction. And even if someone has traditional binge eating disorder, restriction is not really a good solution. When someone is restricting, there are certain things happening in, in the body that basically the body is getting primed to eat more. There are a lot of hormones at play here, so I'm not going to go too much in depth about this, but some key hormones are leptin and ghrelin, which regulates your hunger. So think of it this way. If you are binging because you are undernourished, because your leptin levels or ghrelin levels are completely out of whack and basically priming you to eat, you can't really think yourself out of it. It has nothing to do with willpower or self-control or being greedy. That's kind of like in the same way that if I decide not to sleep for two nights, I'm going to struggle staying awake the next morning. Nothing to do with me being a bad person or being uninterested or lazy. It's just because it's such a basic biological need. But with a lot of people with eating disorders, especially those with anorexia, they're able to kind of shut out this physical hunger for some time, but eventually it will hit. For some people it hits fast and it kind of develops to bulimia or binge restrict cycles. Or for others it stays for some time, but then it kind of it works as reactive hunger, extreme hunger in recovery. And then very often the person will assume, well that just shows that recovery is not for me because I'm someone who can't control myself around food, so I'm doomed to engage in restrictive behaviors forever. When actually 
as I said again, it's a completely normal and natural response to hunger. That makes a lot of sense. Because imagine this. Imagine from an evolutionary perspective, people were experiencing famine and then food was finally available. Of course they would get an urge to eat a lot. In the same way, imagine that you just ran a marathon in the heat and you didn't have any water and then you finished the marathon and you get handed a bottle of water. You're going to chug that water. That doesn't mean that you're developing like binge drinking disorder. It just means that you are so dehydrated. And that was from just one marathon for one day that was you were very dehydrated for one day. And then you have an eating disorder when people have been undernourished for so long and they expect extreme hunger to last for like half an hour? No, of course it might prolong for some time. Many people have been restricting for months or years, and then they're surprised that they have extreme hunger. And there is no set timeline for how long extreme hunger lasts, but if you're able to fully give into it and trust the process, it does tend to go away quicker. And also if you are feeding yourself a lot of food every day, that also tends to, you know, quicken it. So if you are in recovery, actually eat a sufficient intake. Don't just balance on the absolute minimum intake. Eat a lot in recovery. And also, does extreme hunger always happen? No, it doesn't. Especially if someone is entering recovery and they eat a very high intake, you know, from the start. Then could it happen still? Yeah, it could also happen later stages in recovery. But then they're less likely to experience the same extent of extreme hunger as someone who is, you know, restricting a lot. Overall, more restriction equals more reactive hunger. But it really does vary because there are people who enter recovery, eat very high amount and still have ravenous extreme hunger for a very long time. And is it only purely biology? I mean, it's a big part of it, but of course there are psychological elements at play. So one of them is, you know, I just call it forbidden fruits. <laughs> you know, forbidden fruits taste the sweetest. And I see time and time again that the the food that people tend to binge on, and I don't really like using the word binge here because it's a little bit of a loaded term, but the, ten, the food that people tend to you know, eat a lot on when they're experiencing extreme hunger is very often the foods that they have banned themselves from. So if someone has banned themselves from carbohydrates, very often their extreme hunger will be eating an entire loaf of bread or bowls and bowls of pasta. If someone has banned themselves from sugar, very often the reactive hunger will be just going through packs upon packs of sweets and chocolate. And I think this is a little bit of like a rebellion thing, you know? It has some physical reasons for it. For instance, if you're someone who banned yourself from carbohydrates, your body's going to be quite wired to get more of that nutrient, right? But also we see that previous foods that you banned yourself from become more tempting to eat than those you allowed yourself to eat. And also energy-dense foods, easy to digest, easy to process for the body foods are also very common to crave during extreme hunger because, you know, your body is desperate for energy, so eating a bunch of broccoli is not really going to cut it. It wants something that's high energy, very often high fat and high carbohydrate that doesn't have you know bunch of fiber that you need to digest it wants something quick that i can just get and that's easy so if you find that you have extreme hunger and you feel like all you want is chocolate and pizza and you're freaking out don't freak out it's completely normal and this is why i often say that the food you can't control yourself around is often the exact food you need to be around more and this is where i think a lot of practitioners get it wrong because they're thinking well if my client can't control themselves around chocolate, let's just eliminate the chocolate. 
And of course, this doesn't really help. I mean, that would just mean that when they have access to chocolate, they're going to eat a lot more than they would if they just had access to chocolate all the time. It's kind of like a child, if they have a toy, imagine a child has a bunch of toys, but you take one of the toys away and put it on like a tall shelf and tell them, oh, you can't touch that toy. That child is going to try and climb up to get that toy and obsess over that toy just because it becomes more psychologically interesting. It's basically like scarcity creates an illusion of value. How many people have really liked someone because they can't have them and if they can have them, they lose interest? (laughs) Not that that's a healthy pattern, but it's pretty common. And it's a little bit the same with food. Sometimes people even get a little bit disappointed because when they have extreme hunger and they go all in, they're kind of expecting themselves to be in some kind of food euphoria for a long time. And of course, in the beginning, extreme hunger can be kind of, it's terrifying, but it can also be fun because those feelings can coexist. But eventually they realize that it doesn't really hit (laughs) the same way anymore. You know, chocolate is just chocolate, right? And they're kind of a little bit like, oh, okay. That wasn't that fun anymore. It's just, it's okay, but doesn't hit the same anymore. Some people might even miss that feeling of food hitting and being so fun when they are getting more recovered. And instead eating become become a bit more of a chore, right? They almost need to force themselves. And then they're like, oh my god, I almost wish I had extreme hunger because it was a lot more fun. (laughs) So if you are someone who is experiencing extreme hunger, I want you to kind of, you know... (laughs) This sounds so weird, but like try and enjoy the process because your body is, your brain is giving you so many happy signals from this eating. Uh, Of course, it's giving you fear signals as well, but it's also giving you a lot of happy signals and joy and interest. I'm sure you feel very elevated when you go to the grocery store and you buy your favorite chocolates, ready to eat it. Scared, but also excited, right? And enjoy it while it lasts because it's soon going to lose some of its... uh, some of it extreme intrigue, it's soon going to go away. If you let yourself eat it. If you restrict afterwards, it's always going to be put on that pedestal. It's, you're always going to feel wired to eat, 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 eat. But we want to get you to a point where food is kind of, you know, it's just food, right? Of course, sometimes it's, it's fine if you, sometimes we're very hungry and very excited. We ordered a pizza and we're very excited for it to come. I'm not saying that food is never exciting when you're recovered. Of course, like food is, can still be fun. Food can still be exciting. You can still experience cravings. You can even still experience some extent of extreme hunger. Um, for instance, some people experience that before their periods. For those who menstruate, might notice that before their periods, they suddenly get an urge to eat a lot more and get very excited around food. But this is not really reactive because it's not re- it's reacting more to the, the hormones in the period rather than reacting to a period of restriction, right? But essentially being recovered and being fully nourished means that your brain simply is no longer rewarded to excessively focusing on food and to make you gorge yourself unwell. Your body and your brain is just not wired that way anymore. It just doesn't hit the same. You can try and binge, try it, wouldn't really give the same effect. And this is why I think that restriction needs to be seen as, you know, the missing link in a lot of these cases. Because sometimes it's just like, okay, let's cope with emotional eating. Let's meditate. Let's, you know, eat this piece of chocolate as slowly as possible. But can you see here how the underlying message is that this chocolate is a bit scary and you need to control yourself around it? And can you see how this just kind of fuels the mindset, fuels reactive hunger, make it even worse? If I was going through extreme hunger and I was told to do mindful eating and eat the piece of chocolate as slow as possible, I, that's like, you know, that, that implies that that chocolate is very scary. You need to be careful. And actually just going all in and just having the chocolate and then not restricting again after, 
kind of makes that chocolate just chocolate. So it's straightforward what to do. But of course, the difficult part is actually doing it because, oh my God, when you're going through extreme hunger, it's like every little part of your body, every part of your brain, every cell is just screaming, restrict, restrict, restrict. Or in some cases, go purge, go take laxative, go run. You know, that is the urges you'll get. And fighting those urges, that is difficult. And this is where a lot of people fall back. That's where a lot of people relapse. That's where a lot of people go from restriction to binge restrict patterns. And very often I think people do it without realizing because after extreme hunger, they might eat thousands and thousands of calories and the next day they generally don't feel that hungry because, I mean, the food is still in their stomach and they don't really feel like eating. And then they're thinking, well, if I don't really eat that much today, I can do the same at night because it's very nice at nights eating a lot. Then they find themselves in a binge restrict cycle without realizing and they might even think, oh, it's intermittent fasting or, oh, it's intuitive eating because I'm eating what I want when I feel like it or, oh, it's it's recovery. I'm eating all my fear foods. Look, but actually it is more of a binge restrict pattern, just, <laughs> you know, rebranded. So after a quote unquote binge, eat as normal the next day, eat that big breakfast the next day, even if you don't feel like it, because if not... Even if you're not hungry, you're still detecting to your body that, hey, there is a famine going on. Food is something that you are being presented with once a day in a very short eating window. So you need to eat as much as you can, as quickly as you can. There are a lot of horror stories about people going from one eating disorder to another. And what I see time and time and time again in these so-called horror stories, like from anorexia to binging and losing control... There is one common thing again and again and again, and that is that there is some form of restrictive behavior involved. So yeah, going from one eating disorder to another, it's possible if you are engaging in restrictive behaviors that maintain the extreme hunger. And I honestly think that is how a lot of people get so-called binge eating disorder after anorexia or bulimia after anorexia or, you know, end up in those cycles afterwards. I still haven't seen a case of someone developing binge eating disorder without any form of restrictive compensatory behavior after anorexia. I haven't seen it. I've been in the recovery community for seven years. I think in the total of these years, how many people with eating disorders have I spoken to? We're talking hundreds. It could even be like in the, in the four digits of people that I've talked to with eating disorders and heard stories of. I still haven't heard a case of someone's extreme hunger just never ending and just, you know, without there being any restrictive elements. But I've heard a lot of stories of people going from just restriction to binge restrict cycles. A lot of stories. It's very, very common. And people blame it on the binging and not the restriction. When actually the binging, it's a symptom of the restriction and the restriction is the problem that needs to be solved. But it is difficult because you have an eating disorder, which is basically telling you that you are a bad person for engaging in reactive hunger. It's telling you that this is a moral failure. It's telling you that you need to compensate, get rid of these calories. It's difficult. So again, it is straightforward in some ways. You need to eat. But actually doing it, it doesn't always feel like a very easy thing to do. But you still got to do it. You still gotta do it.
And I hope this podcast episode was helpful to explain to you a little bit more about what's going on and give you that reassurance because I've seen in so many people hearing this reassurance actually allowed them to go all in and was the thing that made them recover. And that is why I'm doing this episode in the first place. If I can just help one person trust that reactive hunger is a normal and temporary phase of recovery and just go with the flow and not restrict afterwards if i can prevent one person from ending up in a binge restrict cycle for the rest of their lives then i have done my job and i know it can be difficult to trust me you might think that i'm lying to you or i'm making up something and that i secretly just want everyone to get binge eating disorder and just gain infinite amounts of weight like i have some kind of conspiracy I've actually been accused of that, which is, I mean, it's, I don't even know what to say about that, but it might be difficult for you to trust me. But the thing is, I mean, I had the science to back it up. And also, what is the option, right? Option would be to go into the binge restrict cycle because you can't just use willpower to get rid of extreme hunger. It's not possible in the same way that you can't use willpower to not fall asleep when you are extremely sleep deprived. You're going to fall asleep. Hunger is just a basic biological thing and you can't use willpower to get rid of it. This is why I see time and time again people think, well, I'll just not do it. I'll just not binge, right? And it's like, (laughs) yeah, if it was a willpower thing, that would be fine, but it doesn't have anything to do with willpower. And if willpower and restriction and more control would have solved extreme hunger, it would have been solved by now, wouldn't it? And I know it can be difficult, especially if you have a treatment provider that is unaware of reactive hunger. I would encourage you to give them some resources about the topic. I have some over at Let's Recover. You can even show them this episode if you want, because it is quite difficult experiencing reactive hunger if you're essentially told that you can't eat, you know, you need to, you don't eat too much, right? That can really set off people with eating disorders, because that creates guilt and the guilt creates more restriction. It's not very helpful, but instead having a practitioner that is aware of this phenomena, because it's not that they're bad people, it's just that this is not really often a part of their training, you know? I actually spoke to my sister about this because she's a psychologist who specialized in eating disorders. And she said that, no, this is not really part of the training unless you are specifically specializing in eating disorder. And even then, it's not really a big part of it. Because so often when they talk about eating disorders, they talk about anorexia, bulimia, and binge eating disorder. And then binge eating disorder, very often they don't really look at restrictive elements in binge eating disorder. And they just assume that, okay, now you had anorexia and now you have binge eating disorder. They don't really see the links, you know, sort of restriction element at play. And I think this is a problem. And I think this is part why so many people relapse with eating disorders. I know that's a bold statement, but when I talk to people who relapse, very often it is the reactive hunger phase that completely throws them off. And again, I want to remind just as like a last little part, if you're someone in recovery from eating disorder and you're not experiencing extreme hunger, this does not mean that you don't have an eating disorder and that you shouldn't eat. Because I see this sometimes because I, I always will have like the occasional client who don't have extreme hunger or they might haven't experienced it yet. And then they're like, oh yeah, that is a sign. Clearly I, I'm, I was fine having an eating disorder because I don't have extreme hunger. So I was never undernourished, right? This is the way for the unicorn syndrome to creep in because even though most people with eating disorders get one form of reactive hunger or another, not absolutely everyone gets it. 
the people who I see that seem to be slightly less likely to get it are the people with ex- exclusively restrictive anorexia who increase their intake and eat a, eat a sufficient amount in you know earlier recovery. They seem to be slightly less likely to get it. This is observation from my side. I don't have any good, you know, <laughs> science scientific study to to explain it. Could be because there's been basically like an absence of restriction in between. Whilst if someone is in has bulimia um, or binge purge anorexia, they have already been binging and purging a lot. You know, the body's gotten used to that pattern. But also with restrictive anorexia, reactive hunger is common. But it just doesn't always happen. Right? And just because it doesn't happen doesn't mean that you don't eat food. And also it might happen, but in a milder case, it might happen and just you find yourself food obsessed for a period of time. Or it might happen and you just notice that your stomach is more rumbling more. You can, it can manifest in so many different ways and it can come in different strengths. For some people it lasts for months, for other people it literally is like just a week and then they're done, right? Really, really depends. But overall it's out of your control. What is in your control is how you respond to it and how you respond to it by actually trusting that this is your body screaming for energy and that the solution is to eat, then it will eventually you will get through it. You will get through it. But if you choose to respond by restrictive behaviors in return, then that is reinforcing and maintaining the cycle and you might find yourself trapped in a binge restrict cycle which is essentially just another eating disorder, right? Okay, guys, hope this was helpful. I know this episode is getting very long, but let me quickly do a listener question. And this question is a very interesting one. It basically asks, what's the difference between extreme hunger and a big appetite? So per definition, extreme hunger is something that happens in recovery in response to restriction. Whilst a big appetite is something anyone can have, you know, I have quite a big appetite. I like food. That is not extreme hunger because, I mean, I don't have an eating disorder. I had one many years ago, but I don't have extreme hunger because there's there's no restriction element, right? A big appetite is basically just a descriptor of one's appetite. The way I would explain it is that not all big appetite is extreme hunger, but all extreme hunger is big appetite. And as mentioned earlier, keep in mind that when I say appetite, this can be mental or physical. But also, do you really need to know if you're in recovery? Do you need to know, oh, is this, do I just have a big appetite right now? I'm going through extreme hunger. Do you really need to know that? All you need to know is that you need to eat. I sometimes think people in recovery, they can go into overanalyze mode where they feel like they need to know exactly what is going on. What is the category of this behavior, right? For it to be valid. If you have a drive to eat, you need to eat. Doesn't matter if you just have a big appetite or if it's extreme hunger. Sometimes you might not know. And that's completely fine. All you need to know is that you need to eat, right? But overall, extreme hunger does tend to be a little bit more extreme than a big appetite. So for instance, me as someone who have a relatively big appetite now, it feels very different than it did when I was going through extreme hunger and I was going through reactive hunger, binging, etc. during my eating disorder. In the eating disorder, it was like I almost felt out of control. I felt like I was in almost like this, um, what can I say, trance. I felt like I was in a trance where I couldn't really, it was like, Everything just felt almost unreal. I was just in a trance where I was just like, I had to eat. It felt like I was not in control in any way. And also it was just extremely rewarding emotionally. And it was extremely exciting. Whilst now I have a big appetite in the same way that I have a big need for sleep. It's not necessarily that it's super rewarding or fun. It's just that I just like to eat. I need a generous amount of food for dinner, right? I don't walk around obsessing all day about my dinner. It's just that when I eat it, I have a 
decent appetite for it, right? And I also want to say that appetite can be low in recovery. This is something I'll talk more about. And there are also certain reasons for why appetite can be low in recovery. So just because you don't have a big appetite, as I said earlier, same with extreme hunger, doesn't mean that you don't have an eating disorder or don't need to eat. I will talk about this later. I will cover it because I know this is a big thing for a lot of people. Anyways, guys, this episode is just so long now, but I had so much to say. I could have honestly gone on for like another 40 minutes, <laughs> but... I'll leave you guys to it, not to be too overwhelming. I hope you enjoyed the episode and yeah, keep listening, keep sharing, keep, uh, you know, giving reviews. Really appreciate you all. So yeah, see you guys next week.